Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes, this is the community for you. Welcome yeah. to the podcast today, Roy. Roy Albert, delighted to have you on. Roy, you're one of our Surveyor Hub admins, aren't you? I am indeed. Thanks for having me in as well. <laughs> so I've uh, sort of blackmailed you to, <laughs> to come on to this podcast. <laughs> our gang. Yes. Um, why don't we sort of start off with, you know, introduce yourself and, and tell the audience yeah, a bit about your, your work that you do. Yes, um, so my name is Roy Albert, currently employed by the, the Valuation Office Agency. My office is based, is, is based in Bristol. However, I'm working from home due to everything's going on. So that's my office now. I'm post-qualified as of the 22nd of May 2020. And since um, the 1st of July 2020, my new role is now part of what we call the Czech Challenge Appeal Team in Bristol. And it's a new appeal system for, for business rates. So I'm new in the role, just getting the optic and the process involved in there. And originally, I was part of the, the SVT, um, Statutory Evaluation Team. Again, that's based in Bristol and we cover a number of different tax, um, tax work such as inheritance tax, capital gains tax, um, stamp duty land tax. So I've been thrown across a new rule now, which obviously just broadened my experience. Okay. So most of the listeners to our, our podcast and in our Survey Hub community are residential valuers and surveyors, so they're doing mortgage lending work, that kind of thing. So why, I was say, why are you here? I don't mean to say rude. <laughs> but why, if you're in the, I mean, I don't know much about valuation for uh, the valuation office, so you can, t- I know you, you give us a good intro there, but why did you join the Surveyor Hub Facebook group? What was interesting about it for um, you to join? The, 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 the Surveyor Hub is quite diverse in respect of people from different parts of the country carrying out various roles as surveyors themselves. And what interested me to start with was whilst I was doing my, my APC, I came across this forum and there was a lot of interesting questions and immediate answers, as you can appreciate doing your APC. Sometimes you've got so many questions, it's all about getting the answers back quite quickly. In a forum like that, with experience ranging from novice to you know um, the veterans in the game, I found it quite useful because even as a valuer, surveyor we still need to have um, some idea of property anatomy in terms of what sort of defects to look for etc and I found that in the forum and it was very interesting in the information that came back. Interestingly one thing that did catch my attention was on the surveyors hub someone asked about Japanese knotweed which was quite hot topic and what I got from that was there was an app to identify what Japanese knotweed looks like. I wasn't aware of that. And things like that, it gave me some sort of encouragement that actually I could learn much more from this than just trying to contribute myself. So the reason for joining it was to actually broaden my, my horizon of experience and also it helped me through my APC. Post-qualification, I'm still part of the forum because again, you never stop learning. So being part of that group also gave me that um, information I need to carry on my career as a surveyor. 
And it's interesting. I've just been talking on a call this morning with a, a couple of students and, you know, we, we were talking about the Surveyor Hub and their their sort of contributions and what they're taking away from it. And I did say to them, you know, ladies, and there were ladies, uh, <laughs> you need to give back. And I think that sometimes, you know, maybe not just unique to our industry, but a lot of students are thinking, you know, why won't anybody mentor me? Where are they? Mm. But actually there's a lot that you, even as students or P-plates, I guess, as I'd call it, you know, newly mm. qualified, can still give back because you see things, you do things, you know, you can ask questions and we all learn. And it is very much never stop learning, but just giving some insights as to, what you need help with and it's really difficult at the moment because a lot of students and trainees just can't go out and shadow a mentor you know get Absolutely. mentored at the moment with the restrictions it's really really hard and it's going to be important for uh, you know the next generation of surveyors that get qualified in the next year or two to make sure they get enough of that practical experience and that support and if we through the surveyor hub you know for those who haven't come across it it's a free facebook group we've over we've got um over 2,000 members in the group. We post a lot of stuff, geeky <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's the right nerd zone sometimes. <laughs> and it's interesting because you'll have a thread and it'll, a post, it'll start off with one thing and then the threads that'll go off it are just, you know, we've tried to categorize some of them into units, you know, so there's a place to go. But you know what? Some of them are like little wriggly octopuses and there's yes. so many <laughs> things that, that, that go off. And just knowing that it's there, if you're stuck with something or if you want to share something is really important. And we found during the real lockdown, at least here in the UK, you know, it was an outlet for people, you know, uh, I'm at home, I'm on furlough, I can't work, I'm feeling frustrated, but it was just that, that common place for us to come together and share what we know or what's going on for us. And people I think are are coming for the CPD, I guess, free CPD and technical content, but really staying for the community. And it's that community spirit that's just quite, quite fun. Yes, we do fall out sometimes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I'd rather we have these conversations and and air these, air these things out. Tell me, Roy, why did you want to become a surveyor and, and how did you actually get into valuation? What was it about that, that, that made you want to do that kind of work? Well, my journey really started, obviously, well, no, not obvious, but I'm an island person. I'm from the Caribbean, from the Commonwealth of Dominica, from a very small village, and Dominica's population, 70,000 people. You could pretty much fit us in a stadium with Old Trafford or what have you. And um, ever since I was growing up, um, at an older age, you kind of associated with England as lovely buildings, and especially the Queen's Palace. And I always had an intrigue in how good it looked, how your buildings looked, very different to what we have in the Caribbean, very, very different. And on the other side of it, you got a lot of hurricanes happening in the Caribbean, which absolutely destroys properties as if, if it's a bad storm, your properties goes to waste. And it's about trying to find as much resilient properties as possible. Saying that, I didn't really have an interest in the QS part of it or building, but I had an overall interest in properties as a whole. So when I moved to England initially, the first place I went to see, of course, was the Queen's Palace. Because what goes from my mind is people built this with lack of modern technology, no scaffolding, no cranes, what have you. And it's just interesting to see the, the, the architecture involved. And I kind of accidentally fell into the surveying career. 
everybody says that <laughs> it was it was an accident because even with the interest i had no avenue of getting into the surveying industry I didn't get to know about the RICS till later on in my career. So I applied for this job as an admin role, which was then known as the rent service. It was about property valuation and setting rents for housing benefit purposes and what we call the fair rent or seating tenants. Then a vacancy came up to be a rent officer. We used to be called a rent boy back then. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I took the opportunity, applied, and I got the job because I had some background from my admin role as to what is required to set the rentals. And going through that process, I had a, even a better interest because I thought to myself, I came from a Caribbean island, and here I am setting rents for a city like Bristol, Wiltshire, and Swindon, etc. So then that kind of pushed me to thinking, I can actually you know, advance myself in this field of work. And what it taught me as well, it took me to other little cities in the UK. And then I had more more local knowledge as to what areas are high, what areas are medium, what areas are low, to the point where I thought I had even more knowledge than someone who actually lives there. So then I thought, well, you know, let's try to advance that. And then I applied for a level four valuation NVQ. It's no, we no longer do it because there's too much work involved. I and mean, I got through with this one, and then I applied for what you used to call tech rigs, but it's now called the associated rigs. Yeah. And when the rent service, what it was called before, amalgamated with what we call the valuation office agency, I found out the valuation office agency is one of the biggest employers of chartered surveyors. So I thought I want to be part of that part of that group. So I started looking into it and see what was involved. How do I get to the next level from associated rigs to MRICs? And I had the support from my employers, I had support from colleagues. And I thought to myself, I wanted to do that. From the Caribbean, there's not a lot of chartered surveyors. And I wanted to break that mold. I wanted to get in there. And if I'm being brutally honest, my initial understanding was being a surveyor is for, if you want to put it bluntly, a middle-aged white person to a jacket. Even from my role as a rent officer, whenever I was up against any surveyor, particularly in the Cotswolds, it was that kind of a guy I was faced up with. Experienced, chartered surveyor, and it was always the same dimension. There was a lack of diversity from my initial um, inception into becoming a, a chartered surveyor. And I wasn't too focused on the stats I just wanted to do what I wanted to do, set my sights on it. I had the support around me and I went for it. I think going through it now, I understand that the RICS isn't the one holding back minority or a diverse among the people. I think we are because through my experience, I never experienced anything whereby I thought I was different. I always thought as part of the group in respect of either being on the APC route or actually been in the route where I'm going for my interview. Never felt anything different. So I think for me as a personal experience, I think it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you do. If you want to do it, if you're committed to it, start thinking why you want to be part of it. And for me, it's because I wanted to help others. I wanted to help myself and I want to advance myself and give me some security in respect of my career as well. Oh, do you know, I've got so many questions I can ask you about this now. <laughs> you know, what, uh, first, let me start off with, with the, the journey, because that's a really inspirational journey. 
to go from, you know, this sort of little island with where I presume you know most people. Yes. You know, and then to move to a, you know, I'm I'm from a small village in Wales, so not <laughs> not comparable. Not but com- actually, you know, when I when I moved, I first moved to Birmingham uh, and then I moved to where well, I was really homesick with Ali, and then I moved to London. I thought I'd give myself six weeks and if that's it, I'm going back back home. And I get but you know, back then it was alien. You know, why would I, why would I want to go to England? I was from Wales. You know, why would I want to go to London? I remember yeah. I persuaded my mum to come and visit. But sometimes we can get sort of very insular in where we live and it's it's our world, you know, the, the boundaries, the, the islands, the hills, where, wherever we are. So I, I can sort of resonate with that. But crikey, to go from another part of the world where the culture, I guess, is quite different. Let's very different. Weather with this, you know, and then the, the, the built environment and then to come over to this this country. But yeah, I've met a few different people now you know particularly in sort of recent years of people who have come from abroad and then start to work in this country and I think wow how brave I mean I guess I guess okay the language being the same or similar sort of helps but you know one of my good friends Maria which I hope to get on a podcast sometime you know she speaks something like seven languages you Mm. know and and she's just traveled the world and 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 done different things and I'm always really inspired by people who've been brave enough to move and so so you move to this country and you've got this and I love the fact that you went to Buckingham Palace <laughs> you know and and did you learn that not all properties are like Buckingham Palace <laughs> uh, yeah I learned that very quickly <laughs> getting to the palace and the types of properties because in the Caribbean everything is detached and then coming here, learning about the various types in terms of terraces and, and detached. It's, it's just, it's, it's an experience I will never forget. And it's an experience that kind of motivated all the interest in properties for me. So how old were you when you came over? I was 25. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah so mature and decided, okay, yeah. do what you need to do for your, for your career. And then great that you've, and I've heard lots of good things about the valuation office. I interviewed Kate Taylor um, in an earlier yep. earlier podcast, uh, episode seven, I think it was. You know, and I know that they've got a really good training program and really supportive of bringing people through. And for a lot of people to get to their ASOC or, or, or get through the APC, sometimes you have to move companies. Yeah. You, know, you, can, you either, you're either on some kind of fast track you know, where you can just feel rushed through it or you need to move companies to get the different kind of experience. So it's great that you've been able to, I wouldn't say job for life, that's probably, we don't <laughs> have those these days, you know, but to be able to actually develop and get to know your employer and the industry you work in and have them then support you all the way through to get through to get to qualify. How did you find it working and studying at the same time? Was that quite Very, pressured? Did you have time scales and things? Very pressured because I took the apprenticeship route through the Chattered Surveyors Trust and the valuation office supported me through that. And for me, it was working, social life, your degree, because the apprenticeship route, it gives you, you go through the degree and two years into your degree, you start your APC structured training. So let's put it that way. And after two years, we assume that you're going to get the degree. So if after four years you didn't get the degree, your two-year structured training was pretty much in vain. Yeah. So it's a very highly pressured route to go through. But I think uh, in terms of someone who's working and actually learning at the same time, it kind of consolidates each other because whilst you're learning the theoretical part of your job, you're actually getting to do it, to put it into practice. And, you know, it's different from being a graduate. But for me, it was highly pressured in the fact that 
they expected us to get the degree, then you go sit your APC. And then with everything else, doing the family, your job, your degree. And then two years after, you got your APC. It's a lot of things running alongside each other. So it's a lot of planning and a lot of commitment. I've doubted myself a few times during my course, thinking I couldn't do it. Fortunately, in 2016, while I was playing football, I had what was potentially a cardiac arrest. Um, I know. So that was just about 18 months or so into my degree. So I was rushed to the hospital and basically shot back to normality, put it that way, reset my heart. It was something out of the blue. I was a healthy person playing sports for a very long time. And whilst in the hospital, the UCM then, they were very supportive as well. They asked me to defer my learning if I wanted to, and they would support me through it. But I think from my mind, I just set a date, a time start, a time end, and nothing was going to stop me from that, even with self-doubt. And I said, no, I, I, will, I won't defer. I will carry on. So I did my assignment from the hospital. Um, it wasn't the best piece of work. <laughs> but I think what kind of made it worse, it was meant to be a, a presentation on PowerPoint. So I did it on my Mac. And I think the tutor downloaded it on her ordinary Microsoft computer. So when he downloaded it, it was totally different to what yeah, I saw on my. Yeah. So the presentation part of it wasn't very clever. The content was what saved me in respect to getting the pass. <laughs> so, so there was me about to say, how did you find juggling family life and studying? Because a lot of us have had to had to do that. And you're and you're juggling, you know, heart problems and being in hospital yep. and getting. Yep. But you know, these are the things that help us build resilience. Absolutely. So let us know that we can move forward. And it helps us really reach out to our networks of support. And the fact that we can learn through failure, you could have set a date and not, and not got there, but there are ways around. It's what you can do. Connections that you made, the relationships that you have with people and all the support that you get in various different ways. It doesn't seem obvious sometimes at the start. But, you know, the more I speak to surveyors, I've spoken to lots of surveyors now on this podcast, there's some amazing stories how people have got to their, their jobs and, and, and how they've sort of moved through their careers. And I find it, find it fascinating. But yeah, that's a new one. So are you healthy now? I mean, that must have been um, a shock for you in terms of your well-being yes. and health. Yes, I am. I mean, as you correctly say, it's about even as resilient as you are as a person, you need the support, be it your family, your job, or the forums. As I said, the Surveyor's Hub has been so good to me in respect of what I learned from it, what I picked up from it. And as you said, giving back to it, it gives you some sort of satisfaction as well. And for me, during that period of my life, I did start thinking, do I want to go through um, a degree and structured learning instead of spending time with my family? But, you know, again, the medical attention I got and the advice I got, it was quite positive. So I was fitted with a defibrillator to say that basically, you know, it might never happen again, but just in case. So that gave me much more confidence and hope that, you know, I can do this. Don't have to worry about it. They did say to me, don't, you know, try not to stress too much. It's easier said than done, as you, as you know, when you're dealing with APCs and stuff like that. But I've been through it and here I am today, hopefully still healthy and strong. But then again, as I said, my support level was very good. Apart from me trying to be resilient and trying to fight all these hurdles, I had a good support around me, um, like my employers, family, friends, which was, which was great. And even the university as well. And I think sometimes it's knowing when you can push through and yeah. knowing when actually to say, stop, let's defer a year or let's defer an assignment. 
you know, sometimes it's a case of listening to your body and listening to what's going on because it's still Correct. okay. You're on that, you're on that journey and, and you will get there. And so you get there, you get qualified and sometimes, I don't know, for me, I, re- I remember getting qualified and, and for me, if I hadn't got qualified, I'd have started to have financial difficulty and lost my home. You know, I'd have been out of work. I'd taken a, um, a salary cut to to take on a, a trainee role. You know, to get to get qualified and things. And, you know, so there's a real sort of financial pressure and things. Yeah. But you get there and you qualify, and it's like, woohoo, great! Now what? You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you, do you then go into a period of, you know, pinch yourself? Is this real? Or uh, you've got all this time spare? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you I do know. with that? I know. I mean, for me, I always had a plan in my mind whether or not I had, I got qualified or not. And my plan, if you speak to people I work with, has always been helping people. So being qualified now, people kind of, you want from one day being non-qualified to the next day and people look at you differently. Mm. You know, you get the calls, particularly on LinkedIn. People see you've just announced that you're not qualified. You get the emails. How did it go? And I think people are not always looking for the technical aspect of it, but they're looking at a, a personal understanding of how did it feel for you as a person going through the interview for an hour or leading up to the interview. So it's trying to get that emotional contact with yourself. And since I've been qualified, I've spoken to a number of students now. And positively, a few of them have rang me up once they got qualified to see how thankful they are that I helped them through it, either doing mocks or just talking to them. And that in itself, that's very rewarding and very satisfying. And it makes you want to do more. Yeah, it, it does. It more involved. It does. It's the, mo- it's the best feeling in the world to know that you've helped somebody. Absolutely. But you, but you know, you don't have to hold their hand all the way through, you know. And I no. think sometimes when, when people are a bit nervous about being mentors to students or graduates, you know, they think, oh, it's going to take up time and I haven't got the time. When actually, you know, just half an hour phone call chat just to give some positivity, you know, signposting, you know, say on the Surveyor Hub, oh, did you know this? Or here's a top tip. All of those little things, if everybody does it, adds up. You know, we talk about, um, you know, there's that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. There's there's something there that I can't quite right. You know, it it takes a community professionals to help the next generation of professionals come through. And what that also does, because people have done it for you, you naturally now automatically pay it it forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's really nice to see. I think it shouldn't be by default or automatic, but I almost feel like once you've been through that journey, you almost want to pass it on because You've been through it. You know how difficult, you know, the the pressure and the expectations sometimes that you have, because a lot of other things are riding on you becoming qualified, as you correctly say, you know, financial, family, your home, plenty of things could be riding on that. And that's a highly pressured situation. So seeing somebody else go through that without knowing what their personal tribulations may be like, you really want to bring that across to them and help them. And as you say, without holding their hands, Sometimes some people just want to hear positive um, um, feedback. At the same time, letting them know that actually it's not going to be easy because yeah, we can yeah. we can you can't build around that. It's not easy. It's it's simple as that. It's that it's that reassurance it they're on the right track, but also that you know there's a, a saying 
uh, in uh, The Wizard of Oz, Galinda, the good witch, says to Dorothy, you always had the power, my dear. You just had to find it for yourself. And we, we've got yes. that strength. And you've got it within you. You just need to find that that superpower that I, I often talk about. <laughs> and just know that, you know, as a as a capable human being with the right support, you can do yes. it. You just can't perhaps do it yet. You know, yes. and that's the, the 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 mindset growth journey that you're that you're on. You mentioned diversity, and that's a bit mm-hmm. obviously, you know, with everything that's going on in the world, you know, that's a, a big issue. And the whole sort of Black Lives Matters piece has now come come to the fore as we record this in August 2020. And you said there that you've not really experienced sort of any issues. From my my point of view, clearly I'm not a person of colour. But as a woman in the industry, which is often seen as a minority, I actually feel very much the same in yeah. that there's a lot of women that I come across where we just go and do our jobs and yeah. it's fine. Sometimes, on occasion, I'm sure people of colour and other minorities will, will have the same, you just hit a wall or you encounter a situation. And that's what happened to me sort of later on in my career. I'd have said, I'm absolutely fine. You know, even when I worked on a, on a building site, uh, when I was a site manager, I used to work in St. Albans and, uh, on, a, on a new build site. And, you know, I was, I was seen as the, the girly one. God, I even wore pigtails because my hair was long. Like, <laughs> talk about not helping yourself. Um, you know, but you can, you can use these things to your advantage. Yes. But, you know, I was right. Not, but sometimes you find yourself in a, in a corner or in a, or in a culture that you've not come across before. And, the, the important thing is that there is support out there for that. We do have to, to change that. But for me, I found uh, it was more about accepting myself as a woman. It's okay for me to be a woman. It's okay for you to be a person of colour as a surveyor. And it just is. And um, we don't have to make a thing of it, but we just have to accept it. And so for, th- for me, you know, it was knowing that actually, you know, as a woman, I'd get hormonal. You know, and I'd have, you know, I'd have time of the month and days when I had more energy and not. I'm now on HRT, you know, <laughs> sharing on this podcast. But, you know, but that's been a journey for me to go to go through, you know. And so we, we have to accept that, you know, I've had two children. I've had miscarriages. I've had different things going on in my life. And I bring myself to work. Sometimes we try to fit a role model or, or a job of we come to work, we do certain things, but actually you know, I've got things going on in my life. I've got children to look after. Um, You know, we've got these sort of different cultural things that we have, you know, for those who have sort of different religions and need to pray at different times of the day. We've all got these different things that that we have. And yet sometimes we feel like we squeeze it into a model of what we think the job or, or culture should look like. But the more that I accepted... I'm me and I just happen to come to work in whatever whatever mood I'm in or, or, or whatever, you know, and that's okay, you know, and I can do my best when I'm me. And it's interesting, the whole sort of diversity piece at the moment, because there aren't enough role models out there. And in many ways, I don't like the term role model, like we all need an archetype, you know, or someone to look up to, but we do need to have it's about being able to see it you know there's a I don't know if you've seen that advert I think it's um ITV or ITN with Trevor McDonald um oh, you know, yeah and, talk, yeah, and you've got uh, very pa- very powerful and he talks about you know, you've got to, to see it to be it kind of to thing be it. yeah 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 and and absolutely that and what I'm encouraged to see in my own way in the part that I can play is to see more women come through and to in- encourage them because I didn't really see that but how do you find it from your point of view 
you know, you sort of talked about diversity. Do you know many people of colour or, or surveyors who work in your in your sector? No, I can't say I do. I mean, what I've said from the start was what my personal experience wasn't one where I think there is something holding us back as an institution or the RICS isn't the one holding us back. I think we are as a minority. Now, I think it's because of what we see. And as you correctly say, the front line, we see white surveyors and we think, oh, that's probably not for us. We don't belong here because there's not enough people of colour in the forefront or people of colour that we can see. One of my friends, we became friends just before I got qualified on LinkedIn, and he got referred in 2018, I believe. And he took a year because of family, um, a, a new baby. And he is a person of colour. And he said to me, he wanted it just as bad, not because he went for himself, but because he wanted to represent himself as a person of colour. I can do this. Yeah. And I believe it comes... It, and it's going to sound like a high-pressure thing. But I think it's people like myself and people like him. We need to remain relevant even after we become qualified. Be seen in whatever capacity, whatever platform there is. We need to make sure that we, we say to other people, you can do this. You could be a woman, a man, whatever your religion. You can do it. And I don't think there's any resistance from the RICS. No, um, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. And mm. we all moan about the RICS in some way, shape or form. I'm on governing mm. council, you know, but oh, yeah. like, 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 any, you know, like any institution that's been going for over 150 years, there's always yes. something that we're not quite happy Absolutely. with, but we've got to look at the whole round and what we're, we're trying to achieve. And I think you're right. And I think a lot of it starts with, with us in our mindset before we even get into the industry or in those those early days. One of the things, challenges I had, so as a as a business owner with Blue Box and we, we run the Surveyor Hub and you know we're all white, we're all mature apart from me, which the guys love me pointing out quite, <laughs> quite regularly. But we've got to, to to see it and how do you how you address those things. And a couple of things for me where I've, where I've faced it and tried to think, okay, well, how can we be more diverse? And the first thing was when I set up the Surveyor Hub group over a year ago now, I had to come up with a little image as the you know little banner on the, the header. And um, I, had, I had to look around on some uh, free photo websites that you, can, that you can find. And I found this great image. And it was of a guy who could have been a combination of one of the blue box guys, a mix of Larry, Phil, Chris, Alan, you know, a, a, you know, a typical white man, wasn't wearing tweed, but had a nice shirt on and he had yeah. grey hair and spectacles and he was holding um, like a laptop or yeah, iPad or something with, with a pencil. And he just had this look of a really helpful, knowledgeable guy, you know, that, that sort of lecturer, father figure aura came from it. And then around him, he had like a few different people who was obviously just of the, the teaching. And I saw that and I thought, oh, that's the kind of thing, you know, with our marketing branding, as I was looking at back then, yeah. that's the kind of thing that we want to show that, you know, this is how we care and support the community, you know, and what we're trying to build. And then I just was like, but he's a white man. And to think <laughs> I could find a woman doing the same or somebody of colour, I looked all the way through and I'd, I'd initially put it up on the group for about a couple of days and I had to take it down because it just felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's really hard to find pictures of surveyors. I think there's something like 178 different types of surveyor that sits within all of our different pathways and, and faculties and, and things like that. So we're all different. 
we're all absolutely diverse and, uh, and everything. But trying to find a picture of a surveyor is really hard to represent what we're, what we're doing. And you often see it on a lot of the corporate resi valuers firms um, adverts where they'll have the, exactly the same picture. There's two, well, there's two pictures, one of a man, one of a woman, both white. The lady's got like a, a ponytail, both wearing a, a white shirt, and they stood outside what looks like a Barrett house with a Barrett buff brick. And that's the picture they use to represent a surveyor. So firstly, it looks like an estate agent. <laughs> um, secondly, it's white. It's the same house. And I've seen that advert I've seen it, I think, on Right Move. I've seen it on, on training things. I've seen it on all sorts of different things. And it's that one picture, and they're using stock images. Yeah. And really what they need to do is to find some new images of what really represents, you know, because actually we I'm are diverse. quite diverse. Yes. You know? And I found the same. When we were having our Surveyor Hub live event back in March, we were lucky to have that before before lockdown. And we had a few photos done. And my friend Karen, who's a photographer, was trying to get you know, a good mix of people for, for the pictures to represent what was there because actually yeah. there were quite a lot of white, white men there. But if you could show that actually there were people of colour there, there were women, there were people of different ages, shapes and sizes you're more likely to feel included. And I think as an industry, not necessarily the RICS who are, do, who are playing their part, but we all as, as company owners, you know, as uh, the departments that we work in, is that we need to represent that more. And if we have to create it and find a different stock photo, that's what we need to do. You know, it's, I agree. it's how, uh, powerful to get that message across, absolutely. I agree, of course. And I think this is what I was saying earlier in respect of even on my role as a rent officer, when I went out to do carrier inspections, irrespective of what part of the southwest I went to, the Cotswolds, the Gloucestershire, Wiltshire, if I was to meet a surveyor, it was always the same. If I was going by that to determine whether or not I become a surveyor or not, I wouldn't have. I'd be thinking, well, this is not for me. For for a person like myself, it's not what you know. And you're right, isn't that even as corporate? Um, big companies or, or training companies, they need to show that there's a representation from all or all diverse part of the community, be it a woman, a person of colour, religion, because that's what people see, especially if you have an advertisement for it. That's what people see. And if I'm saying that, well, there's no one like me, I'll think like it's not for me. Mm. And that needs to show some sort of encouragement to people who might be potentially thinking, I want to be a surveyor, but I'm not getting enough of my kind of people involved in it. And that's why I think people like myself need to remain as relevant as possible in whatever capacity that I can. Even where people sometimes, people relate to different people. They might want to ask you a question. They might look at your photo and thought, mm, looks a bit too serious or what have you. And I think in LinkedIn particularly, a lot of the contacts I get, people kind of, oh, I can't believe you're from the Caribbean. I'm from Trinidad or wherever. And immediately you kind of have something to break the I'm ice. yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And then immediately you get, I had a call from someone from the Cayman Islands recently and he was from Nigeria and he, he told me his story of how much resistance he had back in the days because there was some sort of negative vibes about where he was from to the point where he had to change his name to get a job. And he got in touch with me because he, he, he went to relate to me as being someone from the Caribbean. 
he being from Africa, and trying to get some sort of discussion how we can make these two worlds meet. So sometimes being that representation on the photograph, it will get people being more interactive with your company or, or what have you. And I think what you say, that's very important, getting that diverse picture out there to get people more, in, more encouraged by it. But it takes confidence, doesn't it, for you to it be does. out there and be visible and to be relevant, as you say. It does. And as a profession, rather sweeping statement, but majority of us are quite introverts. We're detailed people. We don't want to be all over social media. You know, it's not our, it's not our, our, our strength or what we like to do. And yet, sometimes we've got to push ourselves. I, I do these podcasts. Do I feel any good at it? No. Do I know it makes a difference to people? Yes, I do, because they talk to me about it. When I did the Women in Surveying Summit a couple of years ago and I interviewed uh, different women, I'd never done anything like that in my life. It was a massive learning journey. I had all sorts of imposter syndrome and self-confidence issues. But I knew that by helping women talk about some of the challenges that were going on and opening up that conversation and saying, it's okay to be a woman, you know, that it, that it would start to make a difference. And I still get that now. And that's really how I became a coach, a life coach, because I would be posting about something that was going on in my life or that I'd come across. And I would get messages from women who were having difficult situations, sometimes unsafe situations on site, things like that. And I didn't know how to handle it. And I had, so I had to learn to get trained so I could protect myself, but also to help those women and, and signpost. And that sort of took me on, on that journey. But it's not easy being relevant when actually we just mm. want to get our heads down, get on with our lives, do our work, you know, feed the kids their tea and just and just get on. And it can feel quite a, a burden sometimes when you make a stand for something. But if you come back to your values and what's important to you, they're the things that, that guide you. And there's a reason why we're a surveyor. There's a reason yes. why we got involved in the built environment and be it, you know, in the valuation office dealing with challenges. It's all part of it. And there's something there that I can't articulate quite well again, you know, but there's something there about caring for our communities and the people in it. It's not just about the buildings or the numbers, it's about the people in it and it's just the way that we do it. And so that really then leads us to, well, our purpose and why we do what we do. And if we keep on coming back to, well, the reason that you're putting yourself out there and being visible is because you know that ultimately it will help the community and the work that you do, you're more likely to be driven to do it and to take a big gulp and to step onto yeah. stage or what, whatever it might be because you, you can really see the, the worthiness of it and, and the, you know, the, the point of doing it. And, and I find that myself, you know, when I, I don't always listen back to these podcasts but when I look at you know some or listen to some of my early ones what was I saying <laughs> you know some people would be thinking that right now you know but it's evolved and and getting to the heart of why people do what they do and that our industry that's what's really important you know, yes. people don't join these podcasts to find out technical stuff <laughs> you know <laughs> because we are we are more than our jobs or our, or our careers but uh, you know, but for anybody out there who doesn't feel confident enough to make a stand or fears that there might be some kind of backlash, <laughs> so, do you know what? You just start. You just start with commenting on a post. And it can mm-hmm. be, yeah, I agree with that. Or, yeah, that's interesting. You just start by being visible. 
Yes. You, know, you don't have to go out there and fly the flag and say, here's a declaration of my manifesto you know, <laughs> for, what, for what I think the world should be. That'll come because, later on. That'll come later on. <laughs> I'm always working on mine. You know, but you just start with reaching out to somebody else. You just start with, with well, as I say, commenting on a social media post is the easiest thing to do. And that's the same for students when you're nervous about being a surveyor and having a technical question you just start you don't learn we don't learn if we don't if we don't accept that vulnerability and say it's okay to have a stupid question or you just start to do something and that's that's where it then starts to shift correct i think the confidence part of it like getting your face somewhere or even commenting on a post because we all know what social media can be like even linkedin even if it's meant to be a business platform you might make a comment someone might disagree with you i think what needs to happen then as a personal point of view is you always need to remain professional someone might disagree with what you say that might be their opinion it might even be a matter of fact it's about use standing back and thinking right what did i write what did the, what was the response and how can i respond to it without being disrespectful to somebody because even as a professional particularly rics we still need to um adhere to our integrity and i've seen a lot of posts on there from people you think is professional and it becomes a bit rude or, or i'm out of place it, it happens it, it, it can happen very easily if you're probably in a bad mood as it is it can and you know what that's just the power of the written word is yes. that you can't get the tone of voice someone forgets to put a comma in you know, and it can, <laughs> they can only work in capital letters you know as it yes. sounds like they're shouting and we they're see shouting. that on, i see you know we see that on linkedin as much as facebook and and, and and everything else but yeah you know but you know you don't always have to give your opinion you can just start yeah. with hmm that's interesting <laughs> you've given me something to think about <laughs> <laughs> i like that <laughs> you know you just start with with finding a way to comment and just to yes. be to be seen we can overthink absolutely overthink these things yeah. but finally just before we go just tell me about because you've been doing a bit of work with Lionheart. i've seen Yes, yes. So the Lionheart, again, I think the Lionheart came from prior to my APC seating, we needed to do what we call an orientation or a walkthrough of what it's going to be like. And I remember speaking to a few um, staff from RICS who were very helpful because if you had any technical difficulties, they helped you through that. And um, one of them mentioned about how do I feel about you know being part of Lionheart? Back then, I only I heard about Lionheart, but I wasn't too sure as to what work they do. And then I got sent a link, which I got on to see what their, their work was about. And it was excellent in respect of what they give back, not just for surveyors, past or present, but also to family members of surveyors. So for me, my part was being part like an APC mentor. So helping people through, again, not just technical but getting the emotional part of it, putting my story out there and trying to encourage people who might have hurdles or who might have potential, you know. So currently I'm ambassador for Lionheart and my role really is to be in part of any blogs, presentations, telling my story and anyone needs any help in respect of going through the APC um, journey, then I'm happy to help. Roy, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for being visible. 
<laughs> and that, thank you for for your support as well as being a, a being in Survey Hub and uh, uh, as part of the admin group as well. It's really great to have you on board. So thank and you very thank much. Thank you for having me on board. It's been an absolute pleasure. Super. You've been listening to the Surveyor Hub podcast. We'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing. And if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference, visit us at blueboxpartners.com.